High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, girl bands, goofy guys, hunks. Oh, and an extra special shout out to a different kind of driller killer. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the sophomore year party is at my house this evening. But first, school is still in session, so let's chat about your homework. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Alright, if you looked at the title to today's episode, your homework was an easy one, even if you didn't do it. I'm giving you kind of a pass because it's hard for me to enforce, but today we're talking about the Slumber Party Massacre 2. So, which means, I mean, not necessarily, but I'm telling you, it means that we covered the Slumber Party Massacre, the original, last week. And my guest last week, and my guest this week, is Michael Manzi, of course. And, speaking of Michael Manzi, and speaking of the Slumber Party Massacre, Slumber Party Massacre 3 was also viewed by me and Mike, and also talked about. Not here in High School Slumber Party, but on a place where, well, I've been hanging out a lot lately. Third time's a charm. Mike's personal, personal project. It was so awesome to just finish the Slumber Party Massacre trilogy, I guess, with him. And do Slumber Party Massacre 1, Slumber Party Massacre 2, and Slumber Party Massacre 3. One and two on this show again. Three on his show. And that's already out. That came out yesterday, October 3rd, the 3rd of the month. So guys, check that out after you listen to this show. I know Fridays are for fun, so you can hear your Hanks and Cruz on cageclub.me. But also, you know, Thursdays are fun too, especially when they have a third Times a Charm episode. Other homework, of course, as always, I mentioned it, but it's to follow us on social media but also to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to us whether it be apple podcasts whether it be stitcher whether it be spotify whether it be google play and write us a review give us a rating do that please and maybe most importantly tell a friend about all the wonderful joys and goodies that happen here at High School Slumber Party, especially this month, where we're covering an awesome topic, an important topic, women in horror films. And today's film is, well, except for the title and, you know, the characters, obviously it, well, not all the characters, 
some of the characters, ah, we'll get into it. But all those things are similar, yes, but a big, big thing is similar too. This film, Slumber Party Massacre 2, just like Slumber Party Massacre 1, was written, directed, and produced by women. So, so excited to bring that to you today. But before we get into that, if you listened last week, I know you're clutching your spoon, you have your desired milk in hand, whether it be 1%, 2%, full oat Barley milk, if that exists. Wheat milk. I don't know. Almond milk, that's a real one. Hemp milk. Coconut milk. Who knows? Who cares? You're waiting for us to decide what Halloween cereal will be the official cereal of High School Slumber Party when we have our Halloween sleepover. And of course, as in last week, the foodie films man himself is the person who's going to help us with that task. So let's roll the clip of whatever today's special Halloween cereal will be. Oh, and just a warning, there will be chewing sounds. So the black cat's out of the bag. We're reviewing monster cereals here in High School Slumber Party to determine what cereal will be best for that big post-Halloween slumber party breakfast. And I have the foodie films man himself, Kyle Reinfried here. Of course. Yes, and you can check out Foodie Films on the Cage Club Podcast Network. It's cageclub.me, cageclub.me. And last segment, I'll call it, <laughs> because we're all recording this in one night, but last segment, we ate booberry. Mm. And what do we have on this segment, Kyle? Well, we have Frankenberry, another berry monster cereal. I also want to point out that they're uh, promoting the animated Adams Family that's coming out. Kind of looks so good. I kinda, I'm kind of into that. Um, quickly. Oh, there's stencils. Pump, pumpkin carving stencils inside. Now, as a kid, did what came in the cereal box motivate you to want to have the cereal if you went like food shopping with mom? Uh, sometimes. I can't remember anything specific now. Because it was never anything great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, no, that definitely... I mean, I feel like, yeah, like kids cereal like marketing people like they just they got it down they know what they're going for you know it's one of the like the foods that they've like completely like controlled by marketing you know yeah so let's eat this one this is frankenberry i believe it's the strawberry blend i don't know if it's the lighting in your apartment it looks like i'm about to eat some cheetos it is it is it it's is. more of a pink color so it could yeah, be the but lighting it looks but orange right now yeah it's glowing it's glowing it's fair to say and this is the strawberry variety i think it took you about the same time as last time to make this i think i will say that it didn't soak up the milk as fast hmm and it seems like, from my memory... Maybe I had a better pour strategy, who knows? Maybe, but or maybe there's... No, but these even just seem a bit... Well, you know what, I mean, technically I have the blueberry in front of me. <laughs> so you did say the last time that we're filming these back-to-back, so let me... No, the the, uh, the blueberry... I'm sorry, the frankenberry have a bit more of, like, a coarse outside. Mm. He went off the floor. Yeah, there was dog hair on it. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's my fault. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't influence your this final decision at the end. I do like the blueberry more. Hmm, okay. Do you taste yeah. the strawberry or is it? Um, do I, 
Yes, I taste the 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 both had the very just dis, like the distinct uh, artificial taste. You know, I don't think they're really gotcha. going for El Natural. Like, mm-hmm. which doesn't like Kellogg's have like actual like dried like strawberry like and there's like special K or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, no, this this reminds me the strawberry is in the vein of a um, Nesquik strawberry. Mm. I would say, but. Yeah, still I'm even just having it. Now I'm like going into the the ones that was much more into the milk and they still they um don't soak it up as much. Well, I which I prefer. I like the I like my cereal to stay kind of crunchy. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be like mushy in my mouth, but then I do but I do at the same time like the cereal to give off the flavor into the milk. So I don't know how they create that happy world for me, but You like you like a nice balance. Yeah. This as well has marshmallows. I think they all have marshmallows. This. Mm-hmm. This is part of the General Mills family. Yes, I was going to say General Mills. They should team up with General Motors. Good one, good one. This is the kind of humor you can get on foodie films, guys. Yeah. Every other Wednesday? No, no. I'm just saying they should. That's a good, that'd be a powerhouse uh, company. <laughs> Cereal and you know, cups. a lot of like family cars have like mini refrigerators in them now. You could have like a cereal cupboard in cars or something. I don't think cereal is a good car food, to be honest with you. I think it's a great car food. Dry cereal. <laughs> okay. Yes. Or I mean, honestly, the way they um, I think it was on one of our trips. I don't know whether it was out to Long Island or upstate or something like that when we went to a Walmart and I bought cereal. The way they have the boxes now were much more friendly to the concept of just pouring milk right into them. Yes. Into those family packs. So I would also then say that, like, it is a bit, you know, it's not like you have to bring a bowl with you. <laughs> fair, fair. So. So final thoughts on Frankenberry in terms of taste, mouthfeel? And I don't want you comparing too much yet. I know you already tipped your hand a little bit, but. So, um, uh, I think I like the blueberry more, but, but, but the, but Frankenberry, I mean, it, it definitely now, especially have drinking, I just consumed the milk aspect of it and it has, it's very much, um, reminds me of strawberry Nesquik. I actually just had a Nesquik today for the first time in a chocolate because I'm a chocolate guy, but I haven't had a Nesquik in a long time. Yeah, I haven't had that in years. (laughs) And I stopped, because honestly, I stopped having them because I realized that they don't need to be refrigerated as well. You can buy buy them warm. Oh, okay, yeah. The same, I mean, once you, it's the same concept as like all those like box milk and stuff like that. Once you open it, you got to put it in the fridge, but also who's not finishing like a Nesquik and (laughs) I guess unless you're like a toddler or something. (laughs) But Fair, that kind of weirded me out. Like, it was always like, oh, Yoohoo is, like, chocolate-favored, like, water. Like, almost like you just took the bottle to Willy Wonka's oh, River. Really? Yeah, you know, it's just very... It just... Yoohoo looks like chocolate water. Like, it's not... It doesn't have that... I'm not a big chocolate guy, so... I well, wasn't big but just look... Because that, you can see it in the clear bottle. It doesn't have that... It doesn't look like milk in it. Milk has that... Fair. Yeah, you know, that cloudiness to it. Gotcha. So, um... Frankenberry. Frankenberry, I like that it's, uh, stayed 
uh, crispier longer. Um, but while I did taste it in the milk, it definitely didn't then adhere itself to letting it, you know, the flavor getting soaked into the milk. So if that's an aspect you like, I'd say then you like blueberry more. But maybe you, you like strawberries more than blueberries, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a matter of preference, but, you know, your preference is very important to us here on High School Slumber Party, and... No, it's we, not. Yes, it is. Why do you think we have you here? This is an important decision. <laughs> <laughs> and, did uh, they ever do a fruit salad of the... Of the <laughs> <laughs> is there, like, a... So he's Frankenberry, Booberry... Well, I mean, I guess you could probably guess what's next week's segment, guys, but... Uh, Mummy Melon. <laughs> well, I want to talk about that, actually. We're going to We're going to discuss that. We're going to get some nice yeah. information on the history of the monster cereals in the next Ooh. segment. But till then, thank you so much, Kyle, and we, you know, we look forward to your feedback next week. Yeah, and Swamp Thing Starfruit. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, that was Kyle Reinfried helping us out with our cereal choices for this great, great Halloween month we're in. Have you started decorating yet? Have you gotten your costume yet? Ooh, I got to get my costume. I have no idea what I'm going to be. I was thinking of actually being Cher from Clueless, but keep that on the download because it's not official yet. Anyway, you can check out Kyle's podcast. Well, first, the one he has with me, P.S. I Love Hoffman, where we talk about the career and the films of Philip Seymour Hoffman, but also, more importantly to his serial chat, Foodie Films, which he talks about food, he talks about films, he interviews some great people in the food industry and it's a really great podcast again i can't recommend it enough whoa whoa whoa! the bell doesn't dismiss you i dismiss you but i've kept you a long time today and i understand that so we'll head out really really soon can't wait to talk about the slumber party massacre 2 with mike manzi uh, this is an interesting one at the end of the episode, you're probably going to be questioning whether it even all happened. If you saw the movie, you'd understand. And hey, I gotta say it, John Cusack, if you're out there, unblock us on Twitter. Please. Sorry, sorry. Long-term grudge. If this is your first episode, it's a long story. Don't worry. So pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mama you're sleeping over Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. Let's take it away with a song from the girls in Slumber Party Massacre 2, their awesome, awesome girl band, which I love. I don't know the name of the song because I just ripped it from a video <laughs> of Slumber Party Massacre 2, but it's a good one. Class dismissed.
Mike, uh, you once again stayed over. You stayed over yeah. Friday night, and you're here, still here from last weekend, and, you know, couldn't be happier, because we're continuing this series. Again, the overarching series of women in horror, but also the mini-series inside of it of the Slumber Party Massacre. How you been, I yes. guess? Uh, <laughs> I've been well. I can't tell sometimes if I'm dreaming or if I'm awake or, oh or the things I'm dreaming about are <laughs> manifesting in reality. Uh, it's the 80s, but but everyone's singing like it's the 50s. I mean, things are nuts Kinda, tonight at the slumber yeah, party. But like, okay, and we're definitely going to get into that. Just a reminder, guys, we talked about the Slumber Party Massacre last Friday on High School Slumber Party. And if you're, you know... Itching for some more Slumber Party Massacre. Yesterday, on your show, Mike, Third Time's a Charm, we chatted about the Slumber Party Massacre 3. So don't worry, if you haven't heard that yet, you'll go in perfect order. But honestly, it really doesn't matter. Two, three... It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They've they've each got their own individual continuity problems. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's for sure. (laughs) So quickly, just so we can really dive into this one, really oh, get yeah. the massacre going. Introduce Formalities. yourself. Yes. Formalities. I forgot. Um, how's it going, everybody out there? It's Mike Manzi, RHS, class in '97. Go Maroons. Go and a maroon. A maroon is not a guitar with a drill on the end of it. <laughs> so again, I know we'll talk about this probably the entire episode, but you mentioned '50s music, but that guitar is not a '50s guitar, nor is he no. playing like a '50s musician. I know. No, I mean there's a real Van Halen thing with the look of the guy, but then when <laughs> he starts singing, it's a real "Hello, Mary Lou Prom Night 3 thing happening. And that was going to be my next point, actually. Like this. Oh is- yeah. This is a companion piece, kind of, right? Like, I think we mm-hmm. said it on one of the episodes, how this is so similar to Prom Night, the Prom Night series. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely like Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night too. I wonder if yeah. it was even inspired by it. That's a good question, because this is the one that, for me, links them, like... I mean, stylistically, like this one, they look a lot alike. Even though that's part three and this is part two, they look alike. They're almost like a gender-swapped version of the same story where there's this high school student who's imagining the killer and then the killer kind of like comes to life in reality and everything. I mean, you know, Prom Night 3 goes way (laughs) further and it's much better. And I love that movie. They, you know, they actually go to Hell Prom in that. This movie cuts out all the high school scenes. (laughs) Um, We'll get to some of that. But yeah, it is, it is kind of crazy how the two uh, horror franchises for me feel so like linked together. And Mike, another thing that links together your appearances on High School Slumber Party, not all of them, but a lot of them, though, (laughs) uh, is talk of your um, old punk band in high school, My Five Dads. And for the slumberers out there who maybe aren't too familiar with My Five Dads, why don't you refresh their memory? Because it's become one of the wonderful things about High School Slumber Party, (laughs) I think. Yeah, and and we got to get a list of shows that the singles have been released on, too, because it's like the most obscure record release schedule in the history of anything, really. Uh, But My Five Dads uh, was my high school band when I was... um, you know, in high school, you know, 15 <laughs> until I graduated, and I was the drummer. There originally were five of us, and my one friend had to drop out uh, and do another, do another stuff, but we kept the name, and uh, we broke up when we graduated. Put together a couple basement demos, and have been releasing them 
uh, one by one on a couple episodes. I haven't done one in a really long time, it feels. I mean, I've been on a lot more recently, but like, you know, this isn't like, uh, you know, Green Day just emailed me and said, like, go listen to our new record. The album's coming out in February. <laughs> it's like, not not my five dads. Like, you have to listen to High School Slumber Party. You have to listen to the Slumber Party Massacre 2 episode to get my favorite song out of our, wow. off of our uh, hit list. Uh, but yeah, so here we are again with another release. I think I got one or two more hidden away somewhere, but that's sort of like the brief history there. I like it because like you don't know which Mike Manzi episode to listen to of High School Slumber Party. But <laughs> yeah. If you listen to all of them, you're going to catch it. And you, like you said, you've been holding out for a while. So I was happy when this dropped into my email box today. It's funny. I wanted to save this particular song for Rock and Roll High School, but that's okay because there's actually a shot of Rock and Roll High School in this movie. Yes. And this movie has... A high school band in it so i was like oh it's very appropriate we have to do it this episode absolutely and you know you can use another one on rock and roll high school for sure but yeah i got really excited when i got the email because i saw the title was pizza at least in the first and the third uh slumber party massacre pizza plays a big part of the story not a big part of the story but it's featured i don't know if there's any pizza on this one there oh so there's one shot in the opening of the the dead pizza guy from the first movie. Yes. You see him with his eyes out. So. Yes. Okay, so it counts. So uh, why don't we uh, release this bad boy onto the world then? Let, okay. Let's hear it. That was Pizza Man by My <laughs> Five Dads. I like it. You know, punk music, correct me if I'm wrong, punk music feels very slasher and horror. Because um, mm-hmm. it, it feels like a very punk genre, you know? Unfortunately, we don't get that kind of music in this film. No. Uh, yeah, like, we love, like, the Misfits and stuff, and, like, this is definitely our poppiest song. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is... and And what I love about the Misfits is like their songs 
the, the music, it, they sound so like hopeful and inspiring, but then you listen to the lyrics and they're like about death and killing and murder <laughs> and, and all that kind of thing. And so there's like a great weird feeling when you juxtapose those two things like in a song so i guess you know pizza man was like our happiest sounding and sort of like darkest toned one because it's about killing the pizza man uh, and i just <laughs> want to say like you know we wrote that before like it's kind of crappy because like a couple years later like that became like a thing and there was even like a movie i think where like a pizza man got like a bomb strapped to him or something like that so we don't condone that kind of behavior uh it was just we teenage uh, teenage prank fantasies kind of thing of course wow yeah i know it's sad that you do have to put that disclaimer now but yeah trust me i i wasn't thinking that no awesome song and We've always appreciated it on High School Slumber Party. And it's cool because, like, it takes me back to your high school experience and all our high school experiences, really. Like, pizza is so important when you're young. <laughs> <laughs> as weird as that is, right? Like, but like, How many songs do you really know about it, too? I mean, we had kind of a theme, too. Most of our songs were about food, right? We had the Chinese food mm-hmm, song, mm-hmm. I think, was the first one I released. Uh, but you're damn right. Like, it's still an important part of my life. So. <laughs> no, pizza's great. I mean... Uh, we're we're tr- we're kind of going into Kyle's foodie films territory I know. now. So. I was just gonna say foodie, <laughs> so, f- 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 foodie films. Maybe we should uh, tread lightly on the subject. We don't want the copyright <laughs> infringement. But I mean, yeah, no, I mean that's awesome. And I wanted you to share it at the beginning because, like I said, this film this film's gonna be interesting. I don't know if there was a spot to drop that one in here. No, not really. This is um this one definitely breaks the mold. You know, like. Uh, it's kind of funny, I was talking, you know, people listening out of order are going to be like, wow, this one's like way different, but it's kind of funny to think like they diverted so heavily with the second one, and then with the third one, they went really back to like what they what worked with the first one, I feel like, really well. So this is kind of like the black sheep of the family. Yeah, but I have to say, um, there are elements I really liked. I just, <laughs> there, there were, but like, I don't know, <laughs> we'll talk about it, but if you guys, yeah, it's not the worst. Like I, I did find uh, like value in this one for sure. Oh, one note before um, we get into it though, relating to the music. I don't know if you've heard of this punk rock band called the Ever Dead. I haven't, but um, okay. they re- they released an entire album called Slumber Party Massacre Two. Whoa! And it's inspired by the film. All the songs on the album apparently are inspired by the film, and even like um, this is an IMDb fact by the way, but I looked it up. <laughs> Even, like, the cover of the album looks like the cover of the movie. Uh, I didn't oh, get to okay. hear it, but I definitely want to check it out, like, because I'm, I'm curious, you know? I like when bands do that, like, find something obscure and then make a whole album about it. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I like that, too. That's a cool idea. Because, uh, you know, you mentioned sort of, like, you wish, and I wish, like, better music was maybe associated with some of these, like, horror movies and stuff, and it's kind of a trend. Like, I find, like, not just in the 80s, but in the 90s, just for my personal tastes, right? Like, I feel like the needle drops are kind of... I don't know, offbeat for me most of the time and stuff. So uh, music, yeah. In the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, like they, those are the ones where they really start to like tap metal bands with names and stuff to like create like soundtracks and things and, and everything. But uh, yeah, and know, of course bands like, like Dokken instead of the Misfits. <laughs> and of course later with like Rom, Rob Zombie himself becoming a horror director. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, music and I feel like this genre have always been connected. Just from, like, Carpenter's simple scores to whatever they're doing here, it is quite mm-hmm. diverse. <laughs> um, so I put in the 
in our Discord chat. I <laughs> put in what the album cover looks like. Okay, very interesting. <laughs> yes, it's, it's on message for sure. <laughs> it's sort of like the reverse though, right? Because usually what you get on the posters is the point of view like from the back of the killer and you see the girls cowering. Yeah. This is sort of reversed. You see it from the, literally from the backside of the girls. <laughs> you see their, their nude bums and then he's holding the drill like right between his legs on the toilet, so... Subtle, ever dead. <laughs> Very subtle, ever dead. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you guys have not seen the Slumber Party Massacre two, I kind of wouldn't blame you. Um, by the way, you said you own these on DVD or just the first yes. one? Yes, uh, I only own two and three. They came together because I had to buy three to to watch it. I didn't know it was on YouTube's. Gotcha. It's kind of hard to find now. I don't know how um, easy it was for you to find, but I- oh, I got it like I got it like a year ago when I was putting together my own show. Like when I was putting together part threes, you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy like all these movies I intend to get to one day, and now I have like a. <laughs> like too, have like too many movies lying around <laughs> and stuff. But I've, I've been holding on to this one for a long time, and and yes, I did watch the extended cut. Oh, I didn't even know there was an extended cut. I should have known. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just get it out of the way immediately. Like, it's the same situation with part three where the footage is, like, great high-def Shout Factory restoration, and then, like, it cuts to, you know, VHS copies or, like, very bad film copies and stuff of, you know, the deleted scenes. And I'd say all of them are, like, establishing shots or B-roll, so none of it is, like, vital information or extension of actual scenes or you know what i'm saying like plot twist like we're not missing anything like this is one that we're watching all this footage and i'm like well i, I totally understand why they cut all this they there's literally a shot where they pull up to the high school and they pan over and show the high school and then they cut to later in the day when they're jamming out in the girl's garage at their house so like they they really excise like all high school footage from this movie gotcha huh i mean we know they're in high school it's not like they're not in high school it's just yeah. yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. So the back of the VHS for this one, I looked it up, though. I don't know if it's the same as the DVD, but here goes. Courtney is trying to forget the past. She is moving on with her life and trying to rid her mind of the events of Slumber Party Massacre. While away for the weekend, Courtney begins having nightmares of the drill murderer returning to seek revenge. After her dreams cross over into reality, the dream killer returns to brutally butcher and gore all her friends. Will Courtney stop him? Only the fittest will survive in Slumber Party Massacre 2. So crazy that right off the bat, right off the bat, like direct sequel, carryover characters. Uh, is Am I supposed to believe that this is the younger daughter that lived next door in the first movie? Is that who this is? Yes, and I didn't quite get that until I read the back of the VHS cover here, nor that a question will answer. And we don't have to 100% believe the back of this VHS here, because <laughs> as, as we've cited on this this show many times, a lot of times it's written by people who haven't even seen the movie. But the person who wrote this clearly believes that the driller killer does actually manifest itself, that it's not just like a vision. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Upon second viewing, I realized, like, she definitely is, it's not a Fight Club situation happening. Like, she's not the killer. Like, he is, she magically made him appear. Or did she? Like, we, you know, when we get to the <laughs> end, we got to figure out, like, what really happened here. Yeah, we could debate that. Um, but also, yes, she is the younger sister of, 
you know, I, I don't remember her name. I Va- think it was Valerie uh, or something like that. Vinny. Yeah, Valerie. They mention it in here a couple of times that gotcha. Valerie's in the mental hospital, and it's you know the end. They're going to go visit Valerie in the mental hospital on her on this girl Courtney's birthday. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> it's just starting off all kinds of weird. So one thing that confused me is that their last name was changed. Oh, interesting. Maybe for like media reasons like they didn't want to get bothered by the press or something i don't no one know. seems to know that she's associated with these murders none of her friends bring well, it one up. one of the and... friends did one of the friends did at one point she was like oh, oh i missed that yeah she was like oh i know you went through a lot you know is that still bothering you like she kind of has that kind of conversation okay exactly it's not like when she starts freaking out later people are like oh it's because like she no. survived the driller <laughs> killer murders at the slumber party like that you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, and again, so just to clarify, the driller killer is not the same killer in all three of these films. No. Not at all. But they all involve someone killing young women, and men, but mostly young women. Teenagers. Yes, teenagers. Teenagers, we'll say. With a drill. So as far as um, their last name, it was Devereaux in Slumber Party Massacre 1. But in this film, it was changed to... Craven. Oh, for Wes Craven. Yeah, so I think we went over this before in another film mm-hmm. we've done. It might have been yeah. even. Uh, this happens a lot. This happens more than you would actually imagine. Like even in movies we haven't discussed. Like I've, I think back when this came up again, I mentioned um, Night of the Creeps, where like every character in that its last name is named after an iconic horror director. So mm. like homage like this was not scarce back in the day. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not sure. Here are the last names. I think it's, it was either changed to Craven or Bates, obviously, you know. Oh, either way. <laughs> and then the police officers, their last names are Kruger and Voorhees. Oh, mm. my God. Oh, and in the third one, one of the dudes, we didn't mention it, but one of the dudes shows up to scare them in a Freddy mask. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the other character's name who's like relates to a horror thing is Sally Burns. And she's named after Marilyn Burns, who played Sally in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, wow, that's a deep cut, pun intended. <laughs> some are really obvious, some not so much, but that's mm-hmm. kind of what they were doing here. And we should say who was the person doing that. The director was... Oh my writer and director, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, writer, director, moment. producer in this one. And her yeah. name was Deborah Brock. So not much on her or this film in terms of uh, production likewise, like mm-hmm. you know, stuff to read about. I went through her IMDb and not, again, not too much of a... I don't want to say not too much of a career because I'm sure she's done a lot, but not too many well-known things. The only thing I recognized on her director role was Rock and Roll High School Forever, which I think is the sequel. Oh, sort of. It's kind of. That's the one with Corey Feldman, right? Is it? It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's in the spirit of, I'd say. It's, right. Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. Yes, it is. I just clicked on it. <laughs> <laughs> Corey. <laughs> I might put that on my list, even though I usually, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? We could do. You should do that, and then we'll do Dream a Little Dream. We'll do like a big Corey thing going on. There. <laughs> all his high school films. 
Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> but it's funny because like I never this is the kind of this is the kind of thing like after seeing part two, I'm like, I don't understand how they got to part three from here. But then I'm like, oh well, like you're mentioning all these like homages to horror at the time and it's like that makes total sense because like there are these really strong horror franchises going on. There's, you know, the Freddy and Jason stuff, but there's other things like popping up too and there's just you know, I could understand why a producer would be like, yeah, let's just like keep it going. Like we're in franchise mode. Like everything sort of stopped at three back then. And now we're in a state where it's just like, keep it going, keep it going, expanded universe, shared universes and all that kind of thing. But like, that's my only kind of thought on like how this particular franchise, like got three movies out of it. Is well, like, absolutely, it's... Mike. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, someone we, we've mentioned a lot lately, Roger Corman, again, um, mm. You know, his production right. company is, is in charge of this film. And a couple notes on that. One is that all these films, it seems like, I didn't check three, but I know one and two made money. Like, it doesn't okay. have to be a lot of money, but as what I'm learning about Corman and as you've kind of educated me, it wasn't about making the big money necessarily. You know, you kind of make your, you make low budget movies and you get whatever profit you can get. Yeah, as long as you make you like mostly make your money back, right? <laughs> like you don't have to it doesn't have to be a hit. It just has to have returns. And you know, like these were more for double features or yeah. the rental market or you know, whatever they could, like whatever they could get money uh from here. Now, oh yeah, for sure, like at the time drive-ins were still everywhere um, and like this would have double billed with like a Freddy or Jason movie, you know? Like it's tailor-made to do that kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I want to bring up Corman as well because apparently the director Deborah Brock did not get along with Roger Corman. Um she oh, no. they began to fight about almost everything. Apparently, she, you know, since she wrote it, she didn't want him like changing things. If we remember right. from Summer Party Massacre one, he made them redo the entire ending. Or um, and or was that three? I, I, there was some. Wasn't it both? Like he oh, both something, too. Yeah, yeah. Something was going on with part three, and you know they cut most of that out theatrically. But yeah, yeah. So um, she just didn't want his meddling. So. She had a code name Jennifer, and the crew would yell Jennifer whenever they would see Corman peeking <laughs> on set. And, That's you know, awesome. <laughs> they would respond accordingly. But again, not much of a background on this film. I'd love to like know more, but I you know, didn't see it. Our lead, though, Crystal Bernard, I actually was familiar with, which I was shocked. Oh, because I, I recognized another actress in this movie, but what's, what's she from? So, you know, I'm a big sitcom guy, Mike. You know, I love my mm-hmm. sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And there's a show that exists in the Cheers Frasier universe. That's a really good show. Oh, I know exactly where you're. T- oh my God, she's from Wings. Yes, she's from Wings. Holy she's shit, she's pretty prominent in Wings. And I was like, I yeah. know her. And I'm like, oh yeah. So. I was really happy to see her in something, you know? <laughs> that's amazing. These are her humble beginnings. Like, that's crazy that she ended up on that show. Yeah, which, you yeah. know, and that was, Wings is a well-regarded sitcom even today. Yeah, and, and... Tony Shalhoub and everything. Yeah, there's a lot of people on the... <laughs> Um Who did you recognize? Oh, so the drummer, the female uh, drummer of the band. Uh, I just watched this movie, Society which is like a really great sort of kind of Corman-esque, eyes wide shut-esque, like, 
80s horror movie. It's more of like a psycho thriller kind of thing. And, and you know, they don't really pump up like the horror until like the end and everything, but it's terrific. And I highly recommend it. And she's the main character's girlfriend who just can't understand why, what's going on with him the whole time. <laughs> she's just great. Okay, so she is Heidi Kozak, and she plays Sally Burns. And I should say, because yeah. I was getting all the names confused before, because who knows. Crystal Bernard plays Courtney Bates. Okay. Okay. Now, um, someone else in the band, Kimberly McArthur, she played Amy, and you probably wouldn't know that name unless you were into early 80s Playboy, because she was actually a, I believe, a Playboy cover person, or at least a centerfold. Oh, uh, is that another one? Because we had one in part one as well. Yeah, yeah, so it seems like the Corman uh, studio likes to use these these Playboy (laughs) playmates. However, she had it in her contract that she would not do any nudity in this film, so she actually doesn't. Oh. She actually doesn't. So she's get naked. not the one woman who does take a bra off during no. the very confusing dance party slash <laughs> pillow fight that they have. <laughs> she's the other blonde, um, not the drummer. Okay. The other blonde, the other um, guitarist. Yes, maybe the bassist. <laughs> yeah, that's not really clear. I don't know if you noticed that. It doesn't seem like anyone is no. has a bass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was wondering. I'm like, huh? You're gonna be in a movie like this. You're ready, like were naked in Playboy. Why would your contract say you wouldn't do any more nudity? Oh, well, maybe because you were already naked in Playboy. You know, yeah. it was like, did that, yeah. That Either that, like, you know, been there, done that, or I, you know, I want to be taken as a serious actor, or, you know, I'm sure they were not paying her as much as Playboy to take off her clothes. Yeah, and had to do a lot more work, right? <laughs> I yeah. mean, we've made, you've made a movie before, you know how, like, tedious and, <laughs> and all that kind of shit it can be. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, I can't blame her. The one you're thinking of, the redhead, the only one I think we do see naked. And by the way, this movie had a lot less gore and a lot less nudity than the other films. There's weird shit. There's weird stuff. Don't get me wrong, because we'll get into it. Like, there's there's a different kind of gore, I should say. But it's not like yeah, you it's know what I'm more, saying. It's, it's way. This is way, way, way softer. This is very soft core for horror. Like I mean, up until the end, like minus the one shot of nudity, I was like, this is the kind of kids horror. Like this is entry level, like Leprechaun style. Like you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> yeah. Then, but then at the end, they really do gore it up for a few. But even then, I was like, well, I would. St- it's obviously fake you know they're not trying to make it look good necessarily like some of it is like party city gore you know like some of the wounds that they carry um it's nothing like the other ones no it it reminded me of like the quote-unquote gore and it's not gore at all that you'd see in like uh the ghostbusters cartoon you know or (laughs) Mm, yeah or even like the ghostbusters movie like it's really just like yeah it's really just um right like not uh I don't know, just not gory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the one who did um the one who did go topless was Juliet Cummins. She's the redhead. Okay. I think she's the lead singer of the band. And Oh right, yes. And you know, really there was no one else of note, except that I want to mention that uh Patrick Lowe, he played Matt, who was like the heartthrob. Oh, stud. I just put him down as stud. <laughs> or, or, or no, maybe I wrote hunk. I don't know. <laughs> well, the hunk stud man. They considered having him also play the bad guy, the the driller killer. Instead of an Andrew Dice Clay impersonator. <laughs> I wrote that down too. Oh my god. Yeah, that's what Andrew nice. said. Andrew's like, why does he look like Andrew Dice Clay? I was like, he nailed it. I, I said the same thing. 
because like they were thinking of doing it like oh is he real or not is she thinking that the boyfriend is the killer is the boyfriend actually the killer which they end up doing in the next one yes so i thought that was that's kind of why i brought it up too um i thought that was pretty interesting but they opted not to go that route so they wouldn't confuse us. Yeah, right. <laughs> I guess I should mention who plays the killer. An actor called Atanas Illich. Okay. And, you, and I'm already... Like, that's the thing. Like, this movie is very confusing. Um, but not like... But not like you can't get it. It was more for me, like... I'm confused because, like, where's the horror? Like, where's the scare? Like, what is... Like, because the other ones are so, like, right out of the gate. There's a murder, and, like, we see the killer, and there's lots of tension, and then it kind of relaxes and does a bunch of fake-outs, and then it ramps back up again with the murders. This is just, like, really weird, like, you know, third-rate David Lynch dream logic shit going on for most of the movie and then at the end like it's 30 minutes of like party gore which I'm fine when it when it shows up it's fun and I'm if you want to call it. that 30 minutes honestly I don't well, 20 know. minutes maybe 15 I don't know it's hard <laughs> to say how long is this movie again an hour <laughs> my version was an hour 15 I don't know yours Okay, mine was an hour and twenty-seven. So, okay. like you know, and like I said, that's not the one to watch either. It's just, if, you want, <laughs> if if you want more establishing shots, like then go for it. <laughs> that's what I want in an extended cut: establishing shots, <laughs> <laughs> lots more B-roll. So I'll tell you what I like uh, about this film. I mean, I think it's obvious what I maybe didn't like. It, it's what you're saying, but I don't think you're wrong. And I didn't mind it if this wasn't a horror film in terms of, like you said, David Lynch dreamscape, or even, this is like five genres in one, and mm-hmm. they don't mesh. I also liked, I really liked that there was like a girl band. Like, Oh, the, yeah, yeah. You know, this is like, it has the guts of a different kind of fun movie that mm-hmm. I could enjoy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got like, it's like a, well, they do this with the third one too, I feel, where they try and, and like craft like this almost like beach party movie or in a way or like a right so it's like one of those again right with like their their like their pastel band and everything like that going on (laughs) Uh, and then it's also like this there's another sort of bunch of these movies in the 80s i mean there's more not just the 80s but like drew barrymore was in one and then there's like jennifer connelly was in one i think called like phenomenon but it's like about these young women who are like wrapped up in like like can't like not that they i don't know they just like lose their grip on reality so like they walk around and craft like this dream dreamscape that to help them cope and stuff you know and and that's kind of happening here too so it's like one of those movies as well and those usually tend to turn out to be like towards the end sort of quasi slasher thrillers as well um but i'm not sure that like this is meeting in the middle for me exactly like it's just really weird and and confusing at times yeah yeah like beach party is a good like way to put it because it did again have that vibe but it's like it doesn't nothing follows through um (laughs) it's just odd because like is this like a 50s revival villain or is he you know an 80s rocker is he andrew dice clay um, I honestly, yeah. even at some point, like the hunk guy, I wasn't sure if he was, she was dreaming that he was there at some points. Oh, but you know, yeah, he definitely was there obviously later, mm-hmm. but at some points I was like, oh, oh wait, he's actually yeah. there. What really else confused. is so weird is like the, 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 like the construction of the movie. And it's not just like, because a lot of, 
shots were cut out of it and it's only an hour and 15 minutes and stuff but like you know in all three of the movies when they're at their slumber party the guys show up like the dudes arrive yeah every single one of them <laughs> and, and in, in in this one there's no introduction they just show up like at the slumber party right so like we don't know anything about these guys like these two guys in this one tj who i fucking love he's my favorite <laughs> character in the whole movie and like his other friend who end up being friends with tonk or stud or whoever um <laughs> like it's just it's just weird because it just feels totally random like random you know what i'm saying like things just kind of feel like they come out of nowhere because they do like there's just not a lot of setup that you'd get maybe those were some of the arguments corman was having with her or something it's just like on the strictly technical level like there's certain things like maybe you do need to include to like help us figure out what's going on but then on her end i could see her being like well you know from the character's perspective she's not exactly sure what's happening and you want to get into her frame of mind so i don't know i can feel the struggle though like watching this movie just side note if i had to guess what corman was arguing about my guess is he was like oh, let's see some more nudity, or let's see some more gore, right? <laughs> You're totally right. You're totally... <laughs> and let's see them both at the same time. Yeah. Um, know, what was I thinking, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt? But like... Oh, man. So just like a couple quick beats. Um, we, where we don't see them so much in high school, we do see like kind of their high school lifestyle before they go into like the cabin. You mentioned it, but we see her kind of arguing with her mother about going to the cabin and her mother's obviously super distraught because of what has happened what i don't understand is kind of what you were saying before like yeah the girls might not be in touch with what happened the other girls but it still happened in their town you know did it though did it or did they move to another town like none of this is fair is explained like i guess i didn't think about that they could have moved i mean I don't know why I was thinking about that necessarily, but, <laughs> but it just feels like certain things were missing. And again, like I did end up having fun with this movie just because of its sheer like goofiness. Yeah. Um, like, like it, it kind of grows on you. Like the girls singing in the garage or like when they're in the car listening to that song that's, I don't think it's even a real song, Tokyo Convertible. I wanna be your Tokyo Convertible. Oh my god. <laughs> like that part's amazing. Like that starts and you're like how can I how can you not? You know, like yeah, it's not great, but like you, I don't know, there's something endearing about it after all. Like you know, like the the things they went for and the stuff they tried to do at least like conceptually, I feel like was very interesting and and strange. How many movies have you seen where like someone was able to like literally manifest like a killer out of thin air like that? You know what I mean? Like just all the ideas are good. I just feel like they they just didn't come together pro- like in in the well, best way. I would have totally been okay if the killer was more of that like one of her idols not literally her idols but something a musician similar to the music she played because that would make more sense that it was coming Mm. from her brain it didn't show like she had an interest in 50s music like not at all like in christine the car is from the 50s so it makes sense why he's turning that way yeah what really kind of bothered me about that is like their band right is like full-on like i don't know did you have you seen 
because Andrew's like, oh, she looks like Colby Smolders. I was like, well, they feel like Robin Sparkles because, like, if you ever oh, see yeah, yeah. How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> like, it's that total bubblegum Debbie Gibson type of music that they're playing here. And then you're right, the killer is like this sexy slasher, like, leather dude, right? Like, <laughs> S&M almost with his drill guitar and all that kind of shit. So it's just, like, out of control. I mean, even at the end when we find out that this might all be an, a delusion because she's, like, trapped in some kind of insane asylum, like, even then, like, what is it about the music? Like, it just doesn't connect. And I wish you're right. I, that If they had just done that, like, if they were, like, um more of, like, a metal or a punk band or something... Uh, and then she's like dreaming of this, like you know, S and M rocker dude. That would be like that would fix so much. Like just you know, that yeah, just, just yeah. <laughs> it came out of nowhere, and you know, just to bring up to uh, the prom night, uh, with you know, when that happens too, it's because there was a murder in the fifties. You know, there's something that's like bringing it to there. This is just completely out of nowhere. Or, again, and we're not sure if it's fifties. We're not sure if it's like. Like you said, like metal or, you know, he plays like those, like a riff that's not very 50s-esque in that guitar. By the way, people have remade that guitar and like you could buy it online, which is crazy to think about because it's from it some, some, such an obscure movie. It kind of looks a little like uh, the Prince logo, like oh, the yeah. Prince symbol a little bit, <laughs> but, it, but it also looks like someone took that and like shredded it to pieces and <laughs> stuck a drill at the end of it. This movie has like a lot of interesting ideas that probably shouldn't be together in the same film or <laughs> molded together better. Or, you know, just like fill it out. Like you got an extra 15, 20 minutes to do more if, you know, if you can. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying like that's what was kind of annoying about the extended cut is like watching it. I'm like, there's no answers here. <laughs> like I'm not getting anything. Like it's all just repetitive stuff you know and that kind of happens in three we get a little more of the extension i think i feel like three's deleted scenes actually develop character a little more and explain things a little better and breathe make the movie breathe a little bit and stuff so um unfortunately here theatrical cuts the best one to go to yeah i mean i guess that's good (laughs) that i didn't waste my time on the extended cut this round um oh big uh i just want to say like we're not sponsored by them or anything but shout factory does like really those are the ones that released this but like they're they they do this reconstruction thing with tons of their movies like i got the burbs because we're covering we covered the burbs over on hanks for the memories Mm -hmm. the tom tom club there and the shout factory blu-ray came with like an assembly cut of the burbs and like you know, alternate wow. endings, deleted scenes, like all kinds of crazy shit on there. So, like, you know, I, just big ups to them for, you know, understanding <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre <laughs> as its fans. <laughs> yeah, I love when they, uh, I love when they acquire, like, cool things. And they just acquire, like, random things sometimes. Um, I've had yeah. a couple stuff. Um, some, they purchase a lot of old Nickelodeon stuff sometimes. And oh, okay. Old cartoons and, the, uh, release it so you know i really appreciate that because i feel like they're a company that when everyone else is like no one's going to be interested in that they're like no we'll find someone interested Mm -hmm. in that (laughs) yeah like i think they just released like a i didn't get it i want it but i think it's like a limited edition steelbook howard the duck blu-ray or something oh wow (laughs) it's just like want it i'm glad that like people don't mind their stuff getting released by alternative distributors because you know it's a, yeah. just a way to make money. <laughs> yeah, and especially when they when they end up 
treating it seriously, you know, like uh, just because they have a strange, maybe like, a, you know, a silly logo or a strange name or something. They, they, there's nothing really that separates Shout from Criterion when it comes to respect for the genre that they like to curate. You know what I'm saying? There's more curation like that too and everything. And so that's always nice. No, or even like what Mondo is doing. Like Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's just cool stuff. Um, back to other cool stuff. Um, <laughs> you mentioned when the boys come in, one of the things I wrote down is, is like, what genre is this trying to be besides like, well, I don't even know, right? Like, cause you have like a lot of music in here and we'll get to like the, the, you know, Driller Killers music later, but you know, they have their band, they're practicing their band, but they're also like doing synchronized dancing in certain scenes and... <laughs> I mean, so I'll ask you, because you know more about this stuff than I do, what genre do you think that this wants to be? The movie? Yeah. Oh, hmm. Like, is I it, mean, are, are we supposed to take this as a comedy? See, originally, I thought it was going to be, like, like the whole series is sort of tongue-in-cheek. Um, but the the second time I watched this, I wasn't so sure if they were just trying to go for something serious but try to keep it light uh like i'm not entirely sure what's going on here i would probably end up at the end of the day i'd put it under horror comedy because like it makes me laugh but (laughs) but i'm not sure it's trying to be i think it's trying to be serious in a way the others aren't but i don't i don't i don't know it's it's very very different than the other two so i I'm still, if you can't tell, I'm still kind of struggling with this one within ways to explain it. Like, it's it's such its own thing in that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you just got to put it right next to the other two in the horror comedy section for now, you know, in the, in the less serious horror uh, sort of side. Even though that first one, go, I, for me, the first, the Slumber Party Massacre goes toe-to-toe with, like, the Friday the 13th part one and like wow. other heavy yeah like I really have a respect for the very fir- for the first one in this series that I think you know it's so underrated um, and and that, and I also think it can be enjoyed by people who aren't in on all the the jokes or all of not jokes but like all the tropes that are sort of being twisted and this is just I don't maybe I've just seen less movies like this but this is going for something this just feels more like art house European style sort of like someone being driven insane and uh, maybe some kind of more like on the Hitchcock vibe, but like he's never did anything in that style that was sort of this bright before. So that's sort of what's throwing me. Like the whole thing is a wash and pastel. Like it looks like an <laughs> Easter egg and it's very hard to find a, a tone out of all of that. You know, it's, yeah, it's a conundrum. You can hear it in my voice. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like this movie a lot more because it has all this like cool shit in it. But it's just I, I'm with you. Like I don't know what to think of it. Oh, and I was gonna say, and that's where I feel like it gets some of its merit is the um, you can't really quantify what's going on here in the easiest way in the best right. It, it's just even if you don't want to, it, it makes you think. It's it's a struggle to watch. Like it's a it's a very sort of tough movie in ways you wouldn't expect right and so like even though it doesn't work i give it respect for for that kind of like challenge right because it's like it's challenging but like not frustrating it's just like confusing in a way you want to figure out but like ultimately there you can't you know so so like in that way i kind of like it 
You know what I think helps redeem it? I think Crystal Bernard is actually a really good actress. Mm. And mm-hmm. maybe her material isn't so great here, obviously. But I think she like is is doing what she has to do to keep me at least trying to figure out, like, is she dreaming these things? Like, you know, they have that whole uh, pool scene, and I guess it's supposed to be, like, girls in bikinis, mm-hmm. but she ends up at least thinking she's eating a severed hand sandwich. <laughs> Gently his hand caress her melon-like arms. <laughs> What's wrong? My burger's weird. Looks like the same old kangaroo meat to me. <laughs> Way too much ketchup, though. Mm-hmm. Mm, here's a chicken sandwich if you want it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it ends up not... She's like, oh, you just got a lot of ketchup on that. <laughs> but she really she really sells the, the uh, uncooked chicken attack. That happens yeah. later. You know, she's the, the bloodbath, literally. Like, she's in the bath and it fills with blood. Like, that's a genuinely, like, great little scene right there. And you're right. Like, for what they're dealing with, like, not only her, but I feel like everybody's sort of, like, in their own zone. I'm not going to say that they're, like, clicking necessarily with the material, but, like, everyone's, what everyone's doing is kind of working for themselves. You know, like, the guy who's playing TJ. Like, he's in a totally different movie, but he's great in this, you know? <laughs> like, the stud. Like, he's... I don't know what he's doing, but he's good for what he's doing. Like, he's just this big, done Ken doll-looking guy. Like, her friends, like, they're really poppy, funky, cool, like, just, like, upbeat people who want to have fun. Like, you know? And I'm, yeah. I'm buying I'm buying what they're doing. I just don't know if the movie likes them all being here together. <laughs> um, you, you know big i guess through line of this film is the fact that she's a virgin and it seems like every time she gets in the mood you know um bad things happen i don't know if you caught that Um, i did not catch that uh she was a virgin i think there was a line where she oh yes okay so she's there was a line where she wasn't she hasn't been like on a date since middle school so okay yeah you had to sort of put that together i guess yeah um so i think the sister in a delusion warns her like don't go all the way um and then sorry i was choking on something hold on (laughs) oh don't die (laughs) (laughs) so the the sister in a delusion warns her like don't go all the way and then throughout the movie every time she's like thinking of the hunky guy or listening to other people having Mm. sex bad things happen to her so like that's something i don't know if they're like purposely trying to tell us that or it's satire like oh girls shouldn't you know because this is a like we said this is in our women in horror series because women writer director producer so it comes from a woman's point of view so i tend to think that this must be satire well i want to believe the same about the pillow fight right it's got to be like this is just like so over the top like this is what you think this is what you're expecting, but it's like, you can't even take it seriously kind of stuff. So I don't know. Like that's another thing about this movie really is tricky. I'm not sure if it is satire or not, (laughs) Um, but that's the thing like, you know, uh, sex in horror films is always like double trouble. Like you never want to be thinking about it or doing it or else like you're going to die. That is just, that's, you know, that goes way back. I mean, 
you know, so maybe that's what they were getting at here with that is just, you know, it's a psychosexual trigger that, you know, is causing, you know, the killer instinct. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's great. It's sort of like, (laughs) it's, it's an extremely outdated notion that like should never have been popular in the first place, maybe, but like a lot of uh, horror movies really latched on to like the celibacy versus like the losing your virginity kind of stuff. No, you're right. Um, like one of the poignant scenes there is when, again, she hears, I think, her friends having sex and she goes into the bathtub and, you know, I mean, it's implied that she's is either pleasuring herself or is about to and then the blood starts coming out of the shower in the bathroom yeah. and she really freaks mm-hmm. out. Um, I mean, that's yeah. like one of the big gore scenes. But again, it was cartoony gore. Not soon after um, is that really gross scene with the friend <laughs> and the pimple that keeps growing. Oh, so yeah. So what I what I really liked about that is that's the girl from Society, the movie Society. And mm-hmm. in that movie, they sort of get like weirdo Cronenberg face people. And so I was like, oh, it's like she's in the other movie again or something like. But you're yeah, that that that's what I mean by sort of the party city level effects. <laughs> you know, I think. I think you could buy some of those wounds right now, like this season. <laughs> and that's, you know, this is what didn't make sense to me, because at this point it definitely is a delusion, right? Because it doesn't actually happen to her friend, nor does her friend get killed, which she imagines in one scene. And she right. actually, like, ran off, uh, forgot to go to the store for, like, pimple cream. And, and she was actually with a boy, too. Like, so that's why it's confusing that when it actually ends up being real... Like, I guess, like you said, her manifestations just come to life. Uh, just Which would have been, it would have been cool, like, you know, I don't know. It's such a cool idea for a power in a horror movie for it to be like, oh, I don't even, like, like, she's thinking about, like, her friend and her friend's vanity. Maybe her friend's really vain, right? So, like, she makes her really ugly and her head explode from a pimple or something like that. And then, you know... That is like a really, I like that idea. I want to see that movie too someday, like where all the deaths are manifested through thought, thought control or something. Maybe there's something out there. It would sort of be like Firestarter, but instead of lighting everyone on fire, <laughs> you know, you'd give them like a, a real sort of elaborate, um, gory death that suited their personality deficiencies. I mean, it's not too dissimilar to like Nightmare on Elm Street style where. Mm-hmm. You know, dreams or reality and, and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously it's different, yeah. but it's, it's, you can successfully straddle those, like, you know, delusion and reality oh. things that we've seen it happen. So you're right. I would, yeah. would like to see that movie. Um, so I'm just laughing at my notes because, um, you know, I'm going through them and I just wrote down TJ is so California. <laughs> Yo, <bro>. Like, <laughs> It's like it's like he's Bill and Ted like smashed <laughs> smashed together into one, you know, if you can imagine. Yeah. I'm, I'm laughing at my notes cuz I wrote down Easy Cheese. Um I don't know if you caught it but there was like the old classic Easy Cheese cans that they were using oh, yes. not not Cheese Whiz but Easy Cheese. <laughs> Speaking I also of, loved sorry, Oh, continue. go ahead. No, no, continue. Oh, I was just going to say like um 
you know, like a lot of these type of low budget movies, I think you mentioned like then they shoot some of these in Roger Corman's actual house at one point. And like, I love how this one, we're just we rented an empty condo and uh, yeah, <laughs> just gonna shoot in this condo development, like straight out of E.T. Basically, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if E.T. like films there during the day and they <laughs> sneak in at night and like get the shots they need. Funny you say that, Mike, because I remember reading it. I'm going to look it up now. But there was another movie that was filming at the same <gasps> no time, or, or like right at, oh, it's called The Nest. I don't know what it is, but there's a film. It's called The What? The Nest. Okay. <laughs> and they filmed right after in the same exact condo. Because <laughs> it also, doesn't it also look like the opening to Tokyo Drift when he, when he's racing in oh, the yeah. complex? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like Marty McFly Lions estates being built like around. Would you like to know? Obviously, The Nest is a Corman film, but would you like to know what the plot of The Nest is, Mike? Oh, okay. So I'm just going to imagine that it's about this woman who's under a lot of duress because of a previous trauma, and she manifests bees. And there's a giant nest of bees in the neighborhood that just won't stop producing (laughs) killer bees from The Nest. Not quite. Until she stops thinking about them. (laughs) Not quite. But here's what it is about. The sheriff of a small island town called Northport has a roach problem in his house. According to the local exterminator, Homer, it turns out that the whole town is about to have a big roach problem. Pets pets and then people begin to disappear, turn up dead, or are mutilated. Wow, killer cockroaches. After the the nuclear apocalypse, they will inherit the earth. (laughs) Nest. Yes, so, at, you know, after Slumber Party Massacre 2, the cockroaches in, infested <laughs> Infest. this Well, you know, it's funny. Condo. Like, I'm, I am shocked, literally shocked, that there is no comic book hero. And maybe there is. I don't know. I stopped reading comics, like, almost, like, oh, man, like, six or seven years now. But there's no roach man, like, because the cockroach, like, a radioactive cockroach bites you, and you, you know, you're never gonna die. You could adapt to anything, like, you could get crushed and pop back up and stuff. Like, I would love to be the roach roach man. (laughs) The roach. Not dissimilar to the tick. Oh, right, yeah, there you go. The tick is mighty. Mighty as a a spoon. (laughs) So the next scene, like, I wrote down was um, when the hunk brings her the birthday cake? Yes! A- and it is literally 16 candles. Ready for a surprise dessert. Dessert? <laughs> happy birthday, Courtney. No! <laughs> I'd sing happy birthday to you if my singing would gross you out. It's beautiful. Thank you. Better take a big breath. Now I'm just going to look at it for a while. It's too pretty. Aren't you going to make a wish? I've already got my wish. And it's and he's like, hold on, I got something for you. And he like goes outside the door and he just brings in a lit birthday cake. It's, I was shocked. They almost have the same line from 16 Candles too, where it's like, make a wish. It already came true. Oh. And in this she says and, like, make a wish, like... 
it already happened. Like, it's so close. I have to imagine, because this obviously came out after Sixteen Candles, I have to imagine it's maybe, like, to poke fun at Sixteen Candles or something. Oh, oh yeah, surely, because, you know, how Sixteen Candles, like, I don't know about, I wasn't around, I wasn't old at the time it came out, but at least growing up, um, everyone was like, oh, it's, like, you know, marketed, it's like a girl's movie, right? It's like a teenage girl's movie. Like, it's a girl's film. And so I could only imagine how annoying... Uh, a, a, like a female filmmaker would feel hearing that, right? Could kind of be like, well, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Like, who says what is a girl's movie and what's a boy's movie? And plus, it's it's written and directed by a man, like, and he's going to tell me what's pretty in pink, kind of. And so, like, I could see, like, a woman taking that line or parts of those concepts and putting them in her own movie to, like, take the piss out of them or something like that. So, yeah, I, a, I don't know if really that's what's point. happening, but... Yeah, I don't know if that's what's happening, but like, I don't know. That's those are the places my mind starts to go. No, I mean that I love that point. Like, I didn't think about it that way, but you're probably right. Like you said, it's, it's, John Hughes might be the opposite of what a woman filmmaker at the time probably wants to do or make or feels like, especially the one who's into horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 it's weird too because like I don't know, you know I don't want to. Look, just like, you know, guy, like there are times when it's like I'm sitting down to watch a movie and, you know, most of the times it's like guys don't watch, you know, romantic comedies. Guys don't watch like feel good, whatever. And it's like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like, I'm going to watch what I want to watch. You know what I'm saying? So like there's always been on both sides sort of this like stigma or stereotype as to like what is a gender classified film and all that. And that always like bothered me, too. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I would love, yeah, so I'd love to see, like, that frustration sort of, like, uh, expelled in a horror film. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and huh, interesting, so it's always funny, like, because, like, a lot of times we go into these things, and maybe, like, I don't know what we're going to talk about, like, that runs through my mind, but once we talk it out, we're like, oh, maybe that's what they meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that watching some of these movies, too, where it's like, I can't make heads or tails of this, so, like, maybe the podcast is going to help, like, understand, like, if I just talk it out, you know, <laughs> like, maybe we get to the bottom of this. I mean, let's get to our big ending sequence. Oh, my God. It happens around here. Um, I guess uh, the Driller Killer turns out to be real. I guess. Like, it's crazy how he just drills <laughs> through the hunk's chest, and here he is, and it's like, I'm, I'm real. Uh, with his what? magical guitar drill or I don't know I can't believe this happens <laughs> I I want to watch the movie because like, I, I need to see but like I can't believe it just what's going on you, here you know I know like I don't want to keep referencing movies you didn't you haven't seen because it's not fair but there you know this is so close to Nightmare on Elm Street 2 which yes is kind of considered to be I guess in in a lot of positive ways now it's part of queer cinema but like in that movie Freddy is like haunting a, a, a guy like a teenage boy and in throughout the movie the guy is actually doing freddy's bidding in the real world like he's like puppeting him and stuff and at one point freddy literally like claws his way out of the guy into the real world right so like that i feel is the idea here mm. but the concept isn't executed because they want to keep the girl alive for whatever reason you know they don't want her to be the killer you know, they they still want her to be the last girl and to survive and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess. So this sense. is this, so this is kind of like when it happened. 
I was like, well, this isn't like so out of the ordinary. It's just not clear what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Once I sort of put everything together, I was like, oh, here's what you're trying to do. Um, but it's just, it's very patchy. It's just, it's very wonky. It's just very rushed. And I would say rushed is probably <laughs> the key, the key word to all of this tonight. <laughs> And so why is when he jumps into reality, why is that when we get a full-on music video with him? Now it's time for the fun part. situations where your guess is as good as mine but <laughs> i'm just gonna say like he's you know the whole idea of them being a girl band and doing their thing i think he's gonna come out and say oh like like i have a band too or whatever <laughs> like here's my music video and he's doing like breakdance moves and splits and and you know like we mentioned earlier he's he looks very 80s metal but but he's singing this song that feels very doo-woppy or, or something and the movie consistently like throws me off balance in these ways you know where i just can't sort of get my footing to the point where like i know like what i'm supposed to be feeling and following <laughs> like it's so crazy yeah do you think they wanted maybe a like a rocky horror vibe uh you know something like that that would have fit. I don't think that's what... I think that's just coincidence, but that would have been great, like, if this was going for camp the whole way. Maybe it is. I'm still not sure. I'd like to think so now, like, here towards the end of the discussion, that when this guy jumps out into reality and starts doing, like, this whole song and dance, that we're supposed to go, oh, okay. Like, this is along the lines of Rocky Horror, like, this is sort of more of, like, a Gremlins kind of thing. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's what I'm kind of... That's where my mind starts going, is, like, that Ghoulies, Gremlins, like, 
kitty horror for some reason. Like, that's just where my mind is with this entire thing. And, like, you know, one of the first Hanks movies, and I think the first Hanks movie that he was in was uh, this, like, very tame horror movie. Um, I know someone's watching you or something. I know, I know what you're doing. I can't remember the title. Oh, Joey, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I can't remember the title of that. <laughs> That's your uh, show, Mike. <laughs> I know, but it was all the way back at the first episode of Hanks for the Memories. Go check out that show. It's a lot of fun. Fridays but, are for fun. Fridays are for fun. But in that movie, like for, for literally for like an hour and five minutes, it's like your little brother's horror film. And then in the last half hour, there's like sex, drugs, nudity, blood, oh. murder, like <laughs> everything just thrown in right at the end there. Um, and so this kind of feels like that in the same way, but way more accessible to like younger kids. So it's like if your brother's renting the first Slumber Party Massacre, like he's going to rent his younger brother part two. It's weird. It's weird, right? Like I want to think that that's the case, but maybe maybe if they went to this sooner. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like if her if her nightmares were him serenading her, right, and being like, let me out of here, like, make me real, baby, boop, 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 like, all, you know what I mean? Like, if he was just trying to do that kind of, they were lacing it throughout more, you know, or what if, like, this would have been a fun scene, what if they're, like, jamming, and all of a sudden she starts shredding, right, and, like, the guy, it's, like, him, like, speaking through her, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. parts of, like, or if it's like Christine, like she she like starts dressing in leather towards the end and looks more like Sandy at the end of Greece instead of Sandy at the beginning of Greece, and like you know, eventually she doesn't necessarily have to be the killer, but it could be a cool moment where like this spirit has embodied her as much as possible, and then there's a scene where they like break apart, right? Like he's trying to become real. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, through her, and then eventually just does on his own. Like, I would have, you know, that would have, maybe, maybe I'm, you know, I'm crafting my own thing here, but, like, that would have been awesome. No, and again, we're not here to, like, rewrite someone else's film. Yeah, for what it is, like, yeah, for what this is, like, it's still, I appreciate, you know, the concept here. Yeah, and I kind of like, though, what you're saying. Um, I, I think... Maybe they didn't want to do it because it has been done before. But it is interesting that she's not the lead singer of the band. And she does not look, maybe it's not on purpose, but she does not look like one of the better members of the band. You know, she doesn't seem yeah. confident behind the guitar. So that would have been an interesting element if this musician that's like inside her psyche does start to take over and she does start to almost like want to take over the band. I know that's the movie we probably wanted to see here, but and it's not yeah. what happened, but that would have been no. interesting. What's crazy is like a remake of this called something else, not called Slumber Party Massacre 2, but like there's a movie here, you know, especially nowadays I think it would play really well the, I, the concept that I just think was sort of, I don't, I mean who knows maybe maybe the writer, director producer was thinking this way but like nowadays you consider that this traumatized woman is having nightmares and envisions herself as a man, right? Like not only that but like as a murderous one or something like there's a lot to say about that nowadays as far as like, you know changing genders and gender roles and all kinds of you know what i mean like i feel yeah. like i feel like a better version of this movie would actually do really well as a horror film in the modern day like i think i said earlier this film has like a lot of good guts to what can be something else yeah as opposed to the other two which are really good for like what they are i feel you know like i feel like especially part one again i just got to reiterate like 
God damn, I love that movie. Like, it's just so. <laughs> it's just so. I don't know. It just hits all the buttons for me. Um, and the third one, you know, the third one really won me over too. So, and and in the end, this one has found its place as well. Like I understand a little better, like how it fits into the grand scheme of things. This is obvious, not obvious, maybe not to some, because I did read some people who really actually enjoyed this film, but I think to a lot of people, this might be the weakest installment. However, for me, it probably still is, but for me, it has some of the most enjoyable elements, but some of the worst... Worse is a bad word. Just some some <laughs> confusing execution. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it has, it, in a weird way, it's got some of the best things and some of the worst things. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's like, exactly. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, exactly. You, you drilled perfectly, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it was just, this is a great one from the very first movie when uh, the coach goes home and the and the drill comes right through the door and she opens it and the lady's like, oh, I was just putting in your peephole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, you know, our big ending is this, essentially. The driller killer goes on a spree and kills mm-hmm. everyone. Any uh, favorite kills or moments here? And when it um, was amped up like this, were you enjoying it at least? Yeah, I liked the chase through the complex as soon as he stopped singing, though. I mean, that was <laughs> that was just too weird. Um, but uh, I, what I liked is... Um, the, the So this was really funny. Like, so in order to dispose of him she burns him alive right with like a torch out that's like lying out because there's like all the construction going on but they kind of like superimpose the flames over the actor but yet they actually have like a real guy on fire jump off the building (laughs) so so like i loved the match work that they had to do with all the editing and all the compositing and all that kind of stuff and i was like wow look at that they actually afforded like i understand like look you know all of the edits all of the strings you had to pull all of the corners you had to cut if you ask me worth it to have a guy on fire in your movie worth it (laughs) like (laughs) i guess sometimes when they talk about like wow i'm in the end i mean this is like the weakest wow to an end ever however for me watching this i was like look at that like i really got to give them a lot more credit because they lit a guy on fire at the end of this movie and he jumped off that building (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we, you know, are her friends dead? Yeah, we have the the last girl. Oh, she like, uh, this was great because the cops are like bringing her dead friend out. And she's like, hold on, let me see her real quick. Like, I'm pretty sure, you know, even if this didn't turn out to be a delusion, like when, when there's like a big, big murder scene, like you're not going to be able to like look at your friend's corpse or any, you know what I mean? And like say goodbye to it like that is they never let you do that but sure enough like the corpse like opens its eyes and laughs at her and she snaps too and she's back in bed like 30 minutes of the movie ago and i'm like wait what what's going on yeah so what is going on i don't know because not so like she wakes up in bed with the hunky dude before the murder spree presumably like right after they had had sex when he brought in the birthday cake and then she leans over to give him a big old kiss, and it's the driller killer. And she screams again, like a crazy scream with like her tongue coming out of her mouth. And it's like I'd never seen anyone quite scream like that before. And she's in like some weird attic 
which might be like an insane asylum, maybe not, and maybe it's like some kind of weird dollhouse actually, or they just shot it in a dollhouse because <laughs> like the drill comes out of the floor and it's I don't know what it it ends it ends on like a big like huh <laughs> kind of moment, a big fu basically to the audience. Yeah, and and it's essentially hell, you know. She yeah, might, so, she might have died and gone to hell. Who knows? Or it's probably so, just an asylum. I'm not sure. What the way I interpreted it was, she probably did go through all of that and was the actual killer and got caught and is in a, is in like a crazy person's hospital, not hospital, a crazy person's prison, like a prison for the criminally insane. And she's having this nightmare trying to convince herself it wasn't her. It wasn't mm. her that the killer like came out of the blue or man, you know what I'm saying? So like that after it was all said and done, I was like, I was like brain try and figure this shit out. Like give yourself a conclusion here. You know, you can do it. And I was like, Oh, well, if it was all like a dream and if it was her dream, she was the real killer. Like, after the first movie, she went on a killing spree because of what happened to her neighbors. She got caught. She got locked away. And she had this fantasy about not being the killer. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it works as good as anything else, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that we talk about it, though, it's clear to me that the driller killer was activated when she had sex, when she went all the way. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason... For whatever reason, she wasn't supposed to have sex, and she did. And then he, the driller killer, because he says it like earlier, right? Like, he wants to have sex with her, and I guess that was his goal, to manifest himself so he could sleep with her and kill a bunch of people. I don't know. <laughs> insane. <laughs> Just insane. <laughs> so, I don't think... So I don't know if it's got an official like critical release. I'm sure it was released in like theaters, but probably as a double feature. But it has no like critical score in Rotten Tomatoes. Oh wow! It does have an audience score at 38 percent, which is obviously not good. Okay, yeah, pretty low. But I, I mean, I wonder who's even seen this. Like, probably a lot of like you know horror fans have seen it, and they probably give them the higher reviews and stuff. But uh, yeah, if you're just like a casual. <laughs> watcher of mainstream movies and stuff and you you are not gonna like this i'm sorry <laughs> well mike you know you're not a casual mainstream watcher of movies though you recently ended your movie a day streak you're still oh, that's right mm -hmm. you're still a veteran of the trade um what will you grade this on our old uh, a to f grading scale yeah so you know when i first watched it i was like this is an f because I just didn't get it, and like I wasn't in the mood to try, really, I feel, because I had three to watch, right? And I knew the first one was amazing, and this kind of bummed me out that I wasn't <laughs> getting what I wanted, and then we got to three, and I was like, oh, we're sort of back to what I like here. Uh, but rewatching it, reevaluating it, talking to you about it, like I rescored it, I gave it, I went from like one star on Letterboxd to like two and a half stars, so I don't know what grade it, maybe is that a D plus or a C minus or something? I think it's I'd say it's right around, like, the D-plus area. I know that might sound... Mm, I'd say, realistically, it's, like, a D-plus, but I'm going to give it a C-minus just because I think I might have, like, figured it out more than I did the first time, the second... Like, I think I got it. I don't think I get it entirely, <laughs> right? But I like... I kind of like what's going... Like, I like that about it. Like, I like how it's just this challenging movie that shouldn't be... You know, maybe that's part of it, or 
how bizarro like the concepts are going on here and just how shoddy like the actual craft of it is i don't know there's just something about it that is endearing to me so i'm gonna give it a c minus i also gave it a c minus i was on the same same brink as you d plus c minus rating but i said why the hell not we got such interesting we got such interesting music including one song called uh, wait i wrote this song name down one including one song called pie in the sky by the band (laughs) Ooh, not a pizza pie in the sky no 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 no. that was the song that the one girl was writing the one that from oh uh, yeah she was humming (laughs) it and (laughs) (laughs) and all the other great music this band uh, is producing i like the band better than i like the driller killers music that's for sure oh yeah no driller driller killers like he's got the wrong catalog like he needed to be more axel rose when he opened that mouth and less like you know bobby darren or whatever the hell they sounded like or, or Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> dickery, dickery duck. Like, I was fully expecting that to happen. <laughs> oh my god, the nursery rhyme killer. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so what Slumber Party Massacre 2 sleeping bag are you bringing to the Slumber Party? Oh my party? god. This is a tough one, I think. Ooh. Hmm. Boy, oh boy. I think I'm gonna have to go... Oh my gosh, Brian, I feel kind of stumped here tonight. (laughs) Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to bring a sleeping bag, and then I'm going to manifest one out of thin air (laughs) that's all leathery with, like, zippers on it and stuff, and, uh, yeah, so I'm going to bring, I'm going to, I'm going to... You know, conjure one out of thin air when I get there. That that is uh, that looks like the Driller Killer. So it's made of uh, it's made of black motorcycle leather with lots of zippers all over it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so you know this part. It's rent two movies, get one free. We've rented hmm. Slumber Party Massacre two. You can't pick the sequel or the movie before it. Okay. What film are you picking? Um, Films. Yeah. You know- Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's right. I got to do two. Yes. Oh my God. I don't know why I'm just not prepared for this set again. Okay. So one I mentioned earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna do one horror movie at least, and you know, because we're in the horror horror season and stuff. And uh, I mentioned Elm Street too. And I think that you know, out of all of them, you know, there's a very there is kind of believe it or not, there's like a continuity in those movies. And this is the one that's sort of most outside I, I don't think it's connected to any of the others to be quite honest with you it's it's its own little thing it's a very interesting um bird of a movie like i think nowadays the context is like totally new and and ready for like a reevaluation. so that's going to be one and like and i said there's like there's some of the same sort of elements going on with that as far as like the supernatural creature working through the actual human and trying to get out into the real world and all that kind of stuff so it almost does what this is trying to do like pretty successfully i guess or like a a much better um so that's going to be one okay i like it i like Um, it now let's see i don't know why my mind went here instantly but like i was trying to think of like funny horror to balance it with like something that is just like all laughs and then i remember earlier i said something about hitchcock because i thought that this might try and be some kind of psychodrama kind of thing and i'm gonna say um mel mel brooks high anxiety if you haven't seen high anxiety wow <laughs> have you, do you know that one i'm familiar with it i haven't seen it so i mean it's 
it's his riff on Hitchcock. It's basically his, you know, satire, oh, yeah, his yeah, okay. making fun, like in the way that, you know, Spaceballs is Star Wars and everything. Like, High Anxiety is just, it riffs through all of Hitchcock's movies. But, like, what's crazy about it, not only is it, like, hysterical, uh, it kind of works on its own as, like, a Hitchcockian movie, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not far off. It's kind of like when, it makes me think of when people cover songs that are kind of better or like do something in another style so like there's this just i know i'm getting a little off track but just to help kind of explain like i i heard this one interview with mark mothersbog who is the you know leader of devo Mm -hmm. and he said when he heard weird al's dare to be stupid he wanted to like just like cripple him because like he's like it sounds better than a devo song ever (laughs) you know what i'm saying like that kind of like i wish weird al was in devo now and like he helped us find those sounds and stuff and so that's almost how i feel a little bit about high anxiety where it's like i'm not like the biggest Hitchcock fan but there's like a handful of movies of his that I fucking love you know he's got a few masterpieces in his in his back pocket and stuff but I I feel like Mel Brooks took his style and everything and applied it to Mel Brooks and like it's just I I always loved that one it always stood out and I always feel like maybe a lot of people like a lot of younger people maybe like people my age know it, but maybe people like 10 years 15 years younger than me that might be listening to this that are into high school films don't know a lot of Mel Brooks yet and um that's like a gateway to Hitchcock too so if you're laughing at things in that and you want to be frightened by things in that you can go back and and check out where those jokes came from yeah I mean I haven't seen it but I've I've wanted to because I've wanted to see like all the Mel Brooks films at some point but that's a that's an interesting take isn't it funny how some parodies like uh (laughs) Even the Weird Al, like that's a great point about him because some Weird Al songs are so good in terms of like close to who they're trying to parody that they do like compete mm-hmm. with originals. Um, yeah, and, yeah. So um, high anxiety. That's awesome. And, and those, I mean, that I had to. Those, those are off the cuff. I don't know. I know what to expect, but I never remember. <laughs> but that's good. We love the off the cuff here at High School Slumber Party. Right. Now. I don't know if you're aware, or maybe you are, but while they're not sequels, they did make some films in the same family of these. Oh. So there is Sorority House Massacre and Sorority House Massacre 2. Oh, really? Yes, and they're both Corman's, but of course college, so we won't be covering them here. However, there is, um, I don't know if it's a parody or a tribute or something in the lines of Mel Brooks or some just a B Hollywood film, but in... Sorry, one second. My dogs are being annoying. But in 2003, they made a film called Cheerleader Massacre. Oh, okay. I almost watched that last year. And then I saw it was 2003 and not like 1983. And I was like, nah, not this time. Yeah. But maybe next time. Where Slumber Party Massacre 2 had a budget of 500000 and it made a million dollars. This is something that seems just like made by filmmakers. I'm not like uh, downplaying them. But mm-hmm. it was only like a $60,000 budget, and apparently there are some callbacks to the Slumber oh, Party Massacre so, series. So, so, like, if we made it, kind of. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, $60, like, if we, But yeah, yeah. Like, that level. Kind of, Absolutely. Yeah. If we had the budget, it would be something in a similar vein. Maybe we should check it out on this show um, sometime in the run, because I'd like to, you know. Sure. Call back. Even if you saw the poster for it, it's clear that they want to, you know, call back that series. And, you know, it was in a larger thing, just like the Massacre series, because, like I said, there's Slumber Party Massacre, Sorority, House Massacre. Eventually, they made a couple other 
you know, inspired massacre films in mm-hmm. the 2000s. So, mm-hmm. hey. Who can forget the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yes, of not, course. Not part of this series, however, <laughs> but, but still. Still a massacre, <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> and, and happens overnight in several of those movies. So it is kind of a slumber party. Sort of. <laughs> Instead of a sleeping bag, you, you kind of are, the, you get turned into the sleeping bag. <laughs> yes. Well, Mike, thanks so much for, yeah. you know, celebrating, I suppose, or having a slumber party massacre with me. We went to sure. prom together a lot. <laughs> now we've had a lot, of, a lot of slumber parties in a row. And of course, we'll have many, many, many more. Not so much about massacres, probably, but about other cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just love that anytime there's a high school movie that makes it to part three, like we get to do these crazy, wacky crossovers and watch <laughs> all of them. And <laughs> Especially when the series is like this. So, yeah. So anything uh, you want to plug? Well, obviously that third time's a charm that oh. came out yesterday. Yeah, go check out uh, Slumber Party Massacre 3 over on Third Time's a Charm with... Brian Rodriguez over here, Brian Late Night Rodriguez, as he's as he's more commonly known over there on my show. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time covering this. Also, got to check out every Friday. Fridays are for fun. I know you're you're downloading this show, but you also got to go check out the Tom Tom Club, which is Joey and myself doing all the movies of Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, alternating every Friday. Um, so the Tom Hanks podcast is called Hanks for the Memories and the Tom Cruise podcast is called Cruise Club. It is all under the same experimental umbrella that we are referring to as Tom Tom Club. So go check that out and everything else that the Cage Club Podcast Network has to offer over on cageclub.me And of course, don't forget to spread the word about My Five Dads. Oh, that's right. Yes, go uh, seek out and collect all the singles released on my various appearances over this podcast. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thank you so, so much. You are welcome. I mean, big thank you to Mike Manzi, as always. But at this point, it's weird thanking him. He's here so often. I'm obviously thankful, but like, you know, I, I don't thank my family. He's familia at this point. He's a, He's in... The high school slumber party loop. He's in our classroom. He's always at our slumber party. I hope you've adopted him like I have as, you know, numero uno slumberer, perhaps. I'm not sure again his title, but, you know, I hope you enjoy having him here as much as I enjoy doing the show with him. So did that happen? Or was it a dream? Was it a vision? Was it a fantasy? Was it not happening and then we made it actually happen? I don't know. The ending of Slumber Party Massacre 2 is quite strange. And there was uh, quite the buzz on social media about it. Just a reminder, you can follow us and like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. But like I said... I think this one came from Instagram. There was quite a buzz about this film. I thought it was interesting. Now, the person who wrote it, or I guess it was a podcast, called There Might Be Cupcakes. I like that name. Follow them and check them out. This is what they wrote. Because they said, oh, I have a theory on the ending. And I, I said, what's your theory? And they said, I think the reason 
the movie is so strange and that the end stinger is so surreal looking is that Courtney doesn't go to the hospital. She was in the hospital all along with Valerie. They were both hospitalized after the events of the first movie. Or Courtney was hospitalized after Valerie and at least some of the events of the second movie were all in Courtney's head. Hence the guitar weapon, hence the singing killer, and hence the other weird events. Also, sorry, my phone went black. Also, I just wanted to use the word hence today. <laughs> thank you for that. And I say no, no, no. Thank you, there might be cupcakes, for being so passionate. I mean, what did you guys think of the ending of this film? Please, please comment and let me know, because whew, this was an interesting one. Next week's film... <laughs> oh man it might be hard to get it's German it's awesome and it's more controversial than this week's film the film is The Fan or in German Der Fan I ordered the DVD I think it was Mondo who did a re-release of this gem of a movie that I don't think got an American release but lately has been making some buzz on the indie circuit and again, it's part of our Women in Horror series. But let's play the trailer in case you're not familiar with it. Okay, I had to stop that early. I realized that's mostly just weird sounds and electronic music. The trailer actually has no words. So, you know, in the long history, not that long, but you know, the 75 film, if you will, uh, probably less because we've done some double episodes. Wow, I'm so into semantics today, I apologize. The 70-ish films of High School Slumber Party, that's the first trailer that I really, really couldn't play. It wasn't podcast etic if that's a word. It wasn't, you know, good for the audio listening. But trust me, it is a freaky film. It's going to freak you out. It's very awesome. But I'm warning you, it's not for everybody. And I don't even know if it's for our guest. But our guest is one of my favorites. And a returning one. I can't believe it's been so long since we had her. Well, it hasn't been that long, I don't think. We had her over the summer, but it feels that long because I love having her on. Our guest is Alexandra Schroeder. Ooh, Schroeder. German last name. I'll ask her about that. Ugh, can't wait to talk about The Fan, a.k.a. Der Fan. One last housekeeping note. I always like to shout out podcasts I listen to when there's, like, a milestone happening or... Uh, in this case, someone leaving. Um, I'm a wrestling fan. Admitted it. I've admitted it before. It can be embarrassing being an adult wrestling fan, but I enjoy it. And one of my favorite wrestling podcasts was by... It's high school related because I liked these guys a lot in high school. Edge and Christian, two former WWE wrestlers. Well, we just learned this week that Edge, Adam Copeland, 
is leaving the podcast to concentrate more on his family, I guess is the reason. So I just want to say thank you, Edge. Thank you, Adam Copeland, for the awesome, awesome hours you've put in. And so much of my podcast listening has been on your show, ENC's Pod of Awesomeness. But I'm going to continue listening to Christian's version of the show. So, Christian, more power to you. But Edge, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you guys don't follow wrestling, that was all gibberish to you. What shouldn't be gibberish is the song we're going to leave you guys with. It's another song from the band in this movie, Slumber Party Massacre 2. Later, dudes! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.